Hi, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And this is Townhouse of Terror. Welcome, Jill, to the fourth episode of Townhouse of Terror. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How's it been going? Good. How about you? Good. We're going to talk about some cool movies today. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to be talking about them. Three bangers, as the kids would say. Bangers and mash. Hold the mash, please. <laughs> all banger, all the time for me. All mash for me. Well, let's jump into this because I'm ready to get started. Let's do it. Sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. As you can see, the housework has been rather neglected since the servants disappeared almost a week ago. Do you mean they just vanished? Into thin air. How do you do, children? I'm your new nanny. Are you going to leave us too? Why should I leave you? The others said they wouldn't, but they did, and then it happened. The Others, from 2001, is written, directed, and scored by Alejandro Amenabar, and is starring Nicole Kidman, Finula Flanagan, Alakina Mann, and James Bentley. Post-World War II, Grace Stewart waits with her children, Anne and Nicholas, for her husband to return to them in their palatial country home on the island of Jersey. After her staff suddenly quits, she hires a trio who arrive and have worked in the home previously. A deeply religious woman, Grace becomes increasingly afraid that dark forces are at work in the house. I loved this film. Why? I loved it. Why? Because it was a surprise. I was totally surprised at the end. Surprise! (laughs) And the surprise is, for everyone else, that they're all ghosts. I thought that the housekeeping staff, that they could possibly be ghosts, but I did not expect it to be her and the children, and I did not expect it to be under those circumstances. Sure. But of course, like looking back, I'm like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, this is definitely one of those movies that you watch it for the first time and it's a certain experience and you watch it again and it's a totally different experience. And it has been quite a few years since I've seen this, probably oh, 15 years may or more. And I liked it a lot when I first saw it. Um, great twist, felt it worked really well. I was very curious to revisit it 15 years later and see how well it worked. And to be honest, there was so much of this movie that I'd forgot, different parts of the movie that I'd forgotten about anyway. So I knew how it started, I knew how it ended, but and this, besides some of the big scenes, and I thought it was just great. This is like, this is my kind of horror movie. The haunted house, a dread throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm so glad you liked it. Hold on. Ooh, ghosts. I know. Our neighbors are making noises. Here's here's I, here's I where I got scared, though. Again, you and I have not said a word about this Mm-mm. since we saw it. I wanted to. We so watched badly. it last night, so it's been about 24 hours. You made, a, you made a comment. Because Nicole Kidman is always wanting to keep the curtains drawn for the children, early on in the movie you said, mm, are they vampires? Right. And, I, yes. And I knew mm-hmm. they weren't, but that made me worried because maybe you're going to be like, you're just already thinking, oh, there's some kind of twist. They're weird, you know, but I feel like you kind of just let that go. So, yeah, I did. Cause I was like, all right, I guess they could have a photosensitivity. But then I thought, 
Uh, so if you haven't seen this, the children have a photosensitivity um, and if they're exposed to light, they have like scabs on their skin and their skin burns. Um, so the curtains are always drawn in the house. And at first I thought maybe they're vampires. And then I was like, well, okay, maybe they do. Or maybe she, seeing her character, she was highly like anxious and yeah. nervous. I thought, well, maybe it's something on her end and OCD, the kids are really yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, she's... She's, she's got issues, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Like, well, we find out at the very end how big of an issue she had. But. Yeah, but she's not like I don't like her. No. <laughs> she's she's um, not an enjoyable character. Did you think it was weird when the housekeepers showed up? Did you think they were weird from the beginning? Not right away. I mean, I thought it was different, but I wasn't. I definitely didn't think like, oh, they're ghosts. I did not no, yeah. have that thought at all. I just thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what their deal is, you know. And we do find out halfway through that they're hiding something. Yeah. So. Well, I just figured that I I knew that they had a tie to the house. I figured that they were in the home previously with other people. Okay. And and then when she started talking about people who had lived there and they had um, they talk about the Book of the Dead with the pictures of the deceased. I just figured she knew about that because mm-hmm. of the people who she'd lived with before there. Right. So I didn't. But then when you do see their pictures in that book, yeah, this movie is great because there's several twists that are misleading. First of all, there's ghosts in the house. But in reality, they're the ghosts, and who they think are ghosts are humans. So people who are living, who, people who are living in the house, which is crazy. So when you, which Jill, like now, I want you to rewatch this movie this way because <laughs> every single scene that happens where there's some sort of ghost activity, mm-hmm. they are the people. They're freaking. They're the freaking somebody else out. People who are alive. So out, when yeah. that door in the piano room, I yes. actually have goosebumps right now thinking about this because that whole scene in the piano room when she keeps going in and out, she and the door gets locked. Like that is somebody experiencing a door open right. by itself. Right. You know. I want to know who was playing the piano. Well, it was the husband because he's a pianist. Oh, of course. Ah. <laughs> Did you even watch this movie? Dude, I well, I was still thinking Victor for a second was a ghost. Clearly, yeah, he's not. <laughs> so um, okay. so that's, you know, obviously that's one thing. And then the housekeepers is a misdirection too because obviously they are ghosts too and they're keeping mm-hmm. this from her so she can find out at the right time. But yeah. you think something's going on with them. You think that they're the bad guys or they're whatever. So yeah. that's kind of like another misdirection. Yeah. But it all makes sense. It does it's not like a movie that you watch again and you're like, well this if they were all really ghosts and this wouldn't have happened or whatever. Like right. it's it it's so well crafted. And and works outside of the twists. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just based on that. Even though this movie really is built on that, it works independently from that too. Mm-hmm. And when it's done that well, I don't care if we're not getting too much of the backstories of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's all just literally within a few days. This story, I think, feels like it takes place like in two or three days. Yeah. So. Um, when did you have your aha moment? Like, oh, these I are didn't, ghosts. I didn't have my aha mo- moment until 
the so when they walk into the exorcism or not exorcism when they walk into the séance i am like i was confused the first time because i have a mm-hmm. very specific i remember seeing this in the movie theater and being like what is going on? Is this a flashback? And then I saw the kids in the corner and they're all in the same room together. And I was like, what is happening? Are these people Mm -hmm. just showing up all of a sudden? And then the, if you, if you watch how he directs it, Mm -hmm. he does certain shots of them around the table where Nicole Kidman and her children aren't in any of the shots. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when it started setting in. And then when you start seeing the scene from the human's perspective, and you're seeing the pages being ripped up and you realize the table shaking. The table shaking. Mm-hmm. Then it's just like, oh, my God, when they ask the children, when did she kill you or did she kill you? It was all just like all that whole moment. So yep. I didn't know until I feel like that's when the director wanted you to know. And that's when, you know. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty good at picking out twists. I feel like I'm pretty, you know. Yeah. And I can't remember. Did the did the headstone uh scene happened was it right before or so, right after okay so there's there's two headstone scenes early on about or about halfway through the film uh the groundskeeper and miss bertha mm-hmm. are in the garden and he you know they're talking about like she's we need to keep this from her she's going to find out in due time and he's covering up their headstones with leaves right but we don't know it's their we headstones. don't know it's their headstones we think then, it's the family. Right. But then the kids sneak out, remember? Right. And they see the headstones. And even last night, again, because I haven't seen this movie so long, I was like, is this how the kids find out that they're go? Because I was wondering if it was their headstones. Mm. But no, it is the groundskeepers and uh, servants' headstones. So that, But that was all before. We Okay, so that happened before. Yes. Okay, the, so the seance scene is at the end. And right after that... Right. Is when Nicole Kidman tells her children the story. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the reminder, you guys. You're I going on a journey it. with us. <laughs> but it, no. But this, that is that. It's 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 a movie that it works. But like you do have to kind of go back and think about it. Again, you should see this another time, not too long from now. I think. Yeah, I want to see it again. Let's I, watch it right now. I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I think the haunting scenes are so well done in this movie. The little boy is trying to fall asleep and Victor is running around in the bedroom. Yes. And you see him in the background. You hear his footsteps and then his hand comes in the frame to touch his face. (laughs) And when you're watching this after multiple viewings and you know that these kids are the ghosts and Victor is the human and it's so flipped and reversed... It makes it even more interesting because this kid that you can't even see is experiencing this terror and he's trying to touch and feel a ghost. So mm-hmm. it's it's so crazy. Oh, I have a question. For Ask you. me. The curtains. Yes. Do you think that the medium told them to yes. remove the curtains? Because the little girl keeps saying, you know, they said that they're going to take the curtains down. So I think because the medium is constantly communicating with the kids, they she they are learning more and they're taking the curtains down. I think to get reactions out of them. Mm, okay. Um. So, yeah, because there is that's the thing. There's constant communication between both of them. Mm-hmm. Another I, s- yes. I love too that I in love the be- too too. <laughs> in the beginning, 
Um, the kid draws a picture of yes. who they're seeing and saying like, oh, it, the, these are the ghosts that I'm seeing. And now then you realize, oh, it's yep. the lady, the old lady. Yeah, and the family and the, yep. and the mediums. Um, also, you know, I briefly touched on it, but the piano room scene is great. Of course, the scene with the marionette and the girl, little girl and her... What kind of dress is that? Is that confirmation dress? Is that yeah, what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Right, First communion. First communion, where she is, pos- where she possesses the medium lady. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Sitting on the floor, but it's clean. It makes no difference. Why can't you ever do as you're told? I feel like that was, was in the trailer. I think that was in the trailers too, and so was, I remember. So freaky. <laughs> Later down the road, we are going to talk about the haunting from the nineteen sixties, and I feel like this movie does not copy it, but like just pulls all the best moments mm-hmm. from that you know that of atmosphere from that yep. movie. Yep, yep. And this movie is just filled with scenes of noises and and stuff like that that just create this eerie feeling constantly through the movie. I think the kids did a really good job. A mm-hmm. bad performance from kids can kind of ruin a movie for me. I yeah. love children, but not all kids are great actors, and I feel like they did a really good job. They did. I think Nicole Kidman was great. I don't like yeah. her character at all, but she was great. She was so good. Jill? Yes? Any final thoughts on this movie? Just that I really enjoyed it. I want to see it again, and I highly recommend it. Again, this is my kind of movie. I think it works great. The director knew what he was doing and crafting these spooky, spooky scenes. I'm going to give this a four out of five. Me too. I loved it. Four stars out of five stars for a spooky good time. Face is a 1960 French horror film co-written and directed by Georges Franjou, starring Pierre Brassier, Edith Scobe, and Alida Valli. It follows the story of an obsessed surgeon, Dr. Genessier, attempting to reconstruct his daughter Christiane's face after a terrible car accident which he caused. With the help of a devoted former patient, Louise, they find unsuspecting victims who all have similar features to Christiane and lure them to the doctor's secret surgery chamber. There he subdues them and removes their faces in order to graft a new one on his despondent daughter. All end up dying from the procedure. I hate it when that happens. I know. Jill. Okay, wait, I just have to say... I don't speak French, 
So I know my pronunciations are probably terrible. Well, here's the thing. This movie was in French and in black and white. Why are we talking about this movie? Because it's freaking awesome. It is so good. So good. Like this, this is one of the the ones that um, when Michael and I started watching horror films together, this was one of the early ones. Yeah. And immediately I loved it because it was so, um, it was so French. <laughs> and <laughs> just kidding. No, but it was, um, I, I loved the uh, darkness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that it wasn't a typical horror film. Right. Um, it's just so unique. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's very unique. A little bit of Hitchcock vibes here and mm-hmm. there, but also a little like, I wouldn't say playful as in like a fun way, but I feel like the director was directing this very playfully. Yeah. I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. Yeah. That's an as we were watching way. it today, it was kind of like, I don't know. Playful murder. By the way, accidentally, <laughs> we watched this this afternoon while our daughter was around and she's starting to kind of get a little bit interested in some of this stuff. And we were like, okay, it's black and white. It's French. She's not going to be paying too much attention. And I kept looking at her during certain scenes to be like, it's so funny though. She's on a, she'll be on a call with a friend and a friend will hear, you know, whatever's going on in the background from the film. And she's like, Oh, it's just my parents. They're watching a French scary movie about guys that take faces off. (laughs) That's what she said. Guys, do you want to keep hearing us talk about our kid? <laughs> How it starts is it's this car driving through the like a country road at night. This music starts up and it's Fellini meets Haunted Mansion of such a weird like it just it's the perfect score for this movie it's it's, it's very circus it's circusy feeling. Yeah. and spooky and like 1960s like just carnival like sideshow almost you but know or like freak show kind of thing i noticed something about that music and it it was anytime this character came on this music came on did mm-hmm. you notice that yeah. it's almost like the th- the theme another cool thing about this movie is it's a very it's kind of medical, surgical horror. If you've seen any David Cronenberg films, sometimes this reminds me of like a precursor to that. Not as extreme necessarily, but the horror in this is, or at least the gore in this is through the surgical parts. Mm-hmm. There's some very gory moments in this. It is black and white and, you know, it's 1960, but it's literally cutting off of a face, lifting the face off the face, you know? I had to look away. And you've seen this how many times? Probably four or five times, but it, it's been a couple of years yeah. and I had forgotten about it and I was like, ew. It works. It's like, especially when they're p- pulling up the face. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of another Nicolas Cage movie. No, no. I'd like to take his, his face off. Um, but yeah, when they're taking, when the doctor is taking the face off with the assistant 
and they have the, mm, what are they called? I want to call them pliers. I know that's not right, but whatever, the surgical pliers. And they literally are, he's kind of like, sh- you know, feels like he's peeling it off, shaking it a little Ooh. bit to rip it off. And then the whole thing just comes off. That must have been wild mm. in the 1960s. Well, yeah, there was a lot of criticism for that. Yeah. Um, looking at some of the reviews of it. Well, but th- you, no, go ahead. You make a really good point. I hadn't I thought about do, that. Thank you, I do. <laughs> about the medical portion of it. Like, there, there isn't, like... There's not a chainsaw person running around. Right. There's not someone who's psychotic. Well, kind of, but well, he's absolutely psychotic. But he's not like Leatherface or Michael Myers, right? Or, like he's, he's yeah, a baby. Doctor. Get it? He, he's a doctor practicing at the same time, mm-hmm. and you see him in his clinic right next to his palatial villa, and he's giving like lectures. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's a well-known surgeon. And he's a he, well-respected man about town. He's he's actually helping people too. Mm-hmm. But his daughter, um, he had this car accident with his daughter, and she uh, had a horrific um, facial accident from this, and he caused this accident. Yeah. And I think he just feels a tremendous amount of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a beautiful young woman, and her face became disfigured. And he wanted to figure out a way to make right what he had made wrong. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, it's not the way to go about it. No. So he becomes obsessed with it, though. Like, yeah. he, he and he brings her into that obsession. Although I think she's kind of, I don't know. I just feel like if they went about it differently, well, but he's I was so thinking obsessed. About that. I was thinking about that, too. And... I don't mean this 100% wholeheartedly, but I think this would be kind of interesting for a remake, modern day. Mm. Um, Maybe not. Just it'd be interesting, the right person to do it. I don't know who that would be, but... Well, now there's been a successful, many successful face transplants, so I don't think it would... Sure, but I I think, I guess maybe if, you know, if you're making this today, it would feel different because you would have, it would probably... Now that I'm saying it out loud, it'd probably not be a great idea because it would just be more about him being a monster and, you know, you'd have mm-hmm. too much backstory. But yeah. And he's, another note is that he has an accomplice. Yes. And that's uh, Louise. Right. And she is someone who he, she was a miracle story and mm-hmm. she's a former patient and she feels loyal to him and she helps find women who um, look like his daughter right. to abduct them and take their faces off. She's an interesting character, too, because she's doing horrible things, but she seems like a nice person, too. Right, you know, right. And she's had an accident, and he's helped her. And so, Jill, in, in all of your love for this movie and anything you might have read up on it, did you ever read about the how this was released in America? I read a little something about it, but why don't you tell everyone? Well, apparently this this did come out like in a few um, art house cinemas wide release. This came out in America as the horror chamber of Dr. Faustus. Now, something that Franju said was that he 
He didn't fully think that this was a horror film, but he described um, what he had imagined for the film Mm -hmm. as, quote, anguish. Mm. It's a quieter mood than horror, more internal, more penetrating. It's horror in homeopathic doses. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, I thought so. And let's talk about the basement for a little bit. Mm. Filled with dogs. That were experimented on. They were pretty cute, too. They were big, loud dogs, but, man, they were cute. But not super cute when they were eating him. No, but Christiane, um, she found comfort in them Mm -hmm. because they were, they didn't care what her face looked like. Right. And outside of the walls of the villa, people would have cared. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't even talk about one of the most important things, the mask that she wears. So um, she wears this, I don't know what it was made out of, like molded plastic that is, I guess, reminiscent of her uh, original face. And she would wear this so you could not see the the scars underneath her face. Right. And it just gives like kind of a, a dollish look. Yeah, it's crazy. It is, but it also kind of humanizes her mm-hmm. too. Yes, she's kind of, she's responsible for all these deaths in a weird way, or not they're not responsible, she's the reason for them, but it's not necessarily her fault or her doing. But she doesn't stop it. Exactly. Also, let's talk about the end scene when you know the dogs are attacking the doctor and she because she lets all the dogs out and then she lets the the birds go wait she let the dogs out right she did but she didn't huh who let the dogs out right she did though right okay so she let the dogs out (laughs) wait who let the dogs out (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard to say that without thinking of the song she did. <laughs> she released the canines. But she wasn't doing it so that they... She no. was doing it to free them. Right. But her dad just happened... Exactly. ...to be walking in while the dogs were coming out. And they mauled him... Yes. ...to death. And when you... But she... Yeah, so she let... And then she let the birds out the cage. It was just a very kind of surreal kind of scene of her doing that. And she's in. she's always in this gown. Or... It's either a gown or like this white coat. What is that? It's it's a robe. Okay, but it's got like these crazy cool collars on it, right? Yeah, and they're it's like poofy and has ribbons. And I want that. <laughs> <laughs> but she there's this it's just a surreal scene of her like opening you know the bird cage that's down there and then her walking through the like the tunnel that leads out and. But I, she's releasing herself. She it's is a symbol of freedom. She man. is. Come on. Man, this this is a great movie. It it uh we've again we've seen it many times and I love it. I hope you guys watched it and I hope you loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give this movie a five out of a five. I'm right there with ya. It's uh it's five. got a special place in our hearts, so mm-hmm. this is a movie that represents you and me. <laughs> Right up to the top of his head, all round his ears, 
Laura's worried about Griffin. I had a terrible feeling last night. I felt he was in desperate trouble. He meddled in things men should leave alone. Not the slightest clue. That's where the clues are. He wasn't leaving anything to chance. There must be a way back. On a snowy night in Sussex, England, a figure wrapped in bandages walks through the snow into the Lion's Head pub and inn. He demands a room and a meat. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm looking out of one eye because I got my head in this box. <laughs> meat man. Okay. He demands a room and a meal. Dr. Jack Griffin must find a way to make himself normal again. But time is not on his side as the chemicals that have turned him invisible are starting to drive him mad. Jill, have you seen The Invisible Man from 1933? Yes. I know you have, but have you before this? Yes. Okay, thanks for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, We're hoping you guys have seen these movies as we talk about them because they're not spoiler-free, but Invisible Man, he's trying to find a way to make him invisible. He becomes invisible. He starts to go mad. You do get those moments of him when he checks into the inn. He wants solitude. He wants to be alone because it it is driving him crazy, literally crazy, but also he wants to be normal again. He wants to go back. And so he's really trying to find... So there's a little bit of empathy there, you know, to find a way back. Right. But then he goes too far. And at the last moment in the movie, when he dies, you know he kind of gains a little bit of his sanity, I guess. Yeah, and I think, you know, it seems like he was trying to figure out how to become invisible to make a lot of money. Right. So it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was to help him and to, he he was thinking about his fiance and like how to provide for them, but also it became like an obsession. But you don't know him at all from any anything before that you know you're introduced right. to him as an asshole right but you gather that from yes. what you learn about so him. he yeah. shows up and he's invisible and he's an asshole this is one of my favorite universal monster movies and i feel like the past few years i've watched frankenstein bride of frankenstein creature from the black lagoon all those other ones but this one just holds a very special place in my heart because for some reason this just stuck in my head the first time i saw it it's probably eight or nine, and I was just fascinated by the idea of being invisible, mm-hmm. but also that this is a character that this is a character you cannot see, and it's his costume that kind of makes him up and gives him his form, and that costume is really cool, mm-hmm. and so to have a character that is the literally the invisible man, but has a very distinct style and and features is really cool. This is our pick of the universal horror movies from the 40s and 30s. I feel like every year I want to watch one or two of them. And this year we decided to go with this one because it's been a while since I've seen this and I wanted to revisit it. And you said you weren't super familiar with it, right? Yeah, I I think I saw it when I was a kid. And yeah. that was a while ago, so... <laughs> Um, but I did remember aspects of it as we were watching it, um, but not the whole thing. So it was, you know, it's, I liked it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't afraid. No, no, no. <laughs> and I think that's probably the point 
when you look back on universal horror, like there's there's not much there that's that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> I think they are special, and they kind of, in a way, created the monster movies and horror sure. genre. Not completely, but you know, made them bigger uh, and more popular. And even though it's not a really scary movie, there are moments that are kind of terrifying because he has, there is a silliness about it, you know, mm-hmm. of him kind of, oh, I'm going mad, you know, and right. literally him r- skipping down the road naked because he has to take his clothes off to be invisible, singing like, you know, just stupid songs. Right. But then there are moments of just kind of really dark darkness yeah. where he's killing people and he's like, yes, I bashed his head in, you know, and almost yeah. Joker-ish, you know, in moments. I, Yeah, I agree with you on that, for sure. Thank you for agreeing with me finally. <laughs> but, yeah, also, we did watch this movie again with our daughter, and she really liked it. And I think that's why it holds a special place in my heart because as a kid – do you want to see a movie called The Invisible Man about a man who's invisible? <laughs> and those special effects are old, but still freaking hold up. Really and especially awesome. when you think about how, you know, of course, this was not done in a computer. Nothing was done here with computer generated effects. It was all in camera. Like practical. Practical. And nobody yep. had seen stuff like that. I think it still holds up. Yeah, and I think that's part of the impressiveness mm-hmm. um, about this film is that for the time they were doing some really new, uh, cool things that people hadn't seen before. Right. So this was ahead of its time, and I really appreciate that about it. All right, you fools. You have brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and gaping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. I'll show you who I am and what I am. (laughs) Of course, Claude Rains is the invisible man who is not shown at all until the very end, which was I think he was in another film. He had been on the stage a few times and was in another film, so this was kind of like his big break. And yet, you you know, he was not, his face was not on camera. So his voice and mm-hmm. his actions were what was carrying this and incredible. Right. And I think holds up. Like some of it's a little campy, some of it's a little cheesy for today's standards, but still really holds up. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I think that his voice was so distinct mm-hmm. and that is what carries the character because you don't have facial movements right. to go off of. You you do have some of the mannerisms, mm-hmm. but really his voice is so incredible, so incredible and carries everything. And Claude Rains is in Casablanca and uh, Hitchcock's Notorious. He's in, he's in a lot of stuff, but he's such a great actor. And I, I can't imagine anybody else doing this role. Yeah, he was excellent. Let's talk about Una O'Connor. <laughs> Again, a reason why this made such a big impact on me as a kid mm-hmm. was her performance. I vividly remember just 
kind of loving and hating her performance in this, but I, I think it still works. And I can understand if you're like, why do you like this? This is so annoying. I just love her. Yeah. She's so funny and she just has her own, it's her own thing. And yeah. she's crazy and wild, but she's great. I love her. She is so over the top and I, I love characters like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just totally owned her character. Well, there's a fine line of making it work or just making it obnoxious. And, you know, again, depending on your thoughts on it, I get it if you think it's, you know, obnoxious, but I liked it. I think for the seriousness of, you know, the invisible man and like how angry he is Mm -hmm. and like you kind of needed that comic relief. Definitely. um, Because he is like, he's not an enjoyable character. No, not at all. (laughs) He's kind of a jerk. Um, And so to have her like silliness is. Remember the, um, I guess the police officer or the sergeant in that (laughs) town. What's all this? You know, (laughs) it was so British and so characteristic. All these guys are characters again. This movie just is fun to me. It's Mm -hmm. not scary. Yeah. You know, there's movies from this period that do creep me out sometimes, but it's just, it's it's a fun movie. I will say the sequel is fun too, or there's several sequels. Vincent Price is in the second one, which is probably 10 or 12 years later, and Vincent Price is the Invisible Man. And it's it's not a it's not important. It's like it's totally throwaway, but they're fun. Like mm. the original Universal Monster movies are good, and then all the sequels are just fun movies. So that's mm. what I grew up on. There's a special place in my heart for all those movies. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, mm. and all those guys are in that too. The all of the monsters, like it's just fun. Fun, and as my daughter's growing up, I'm showing her this stuff, and she's really digging it. And that's like. That's making me happy, so. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm going to give it four stars out of nostalgia, and I think the special effects are really cool. I think the performances are pretty good, and it's something that I never really tire of seeing. Hmm. I'm going to give it a three. Um, I think it's, I think probably for the time it was really good, but... um, I, I don't think it holds up in the same way, I, but I do. We know, we get it. You love Fast and the Furious. And ew. I mean, no offense if you like that, but ew. Those movies are actually pretty good. Okay, well, I don't know. I've never seen them. Join um, us for our Fast and the Furious podcast <laughs> starting next month. <laughs> We're going through all 20 films. That's a nightmare. Um, but, yeah, so I give it a solid three. I think it was good. It was fun. It was quirky. I don't really think of it as a horror film, but um, but I, I know historically it is counted as one. So. Oh, you know what that sound means. This episode has come to an end. Don't worry. Don't be sad because we're watching horror movies all month long. And we'll have a new episode out in a few days. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Townhouse of Terror Pod. And send us your thoughts in the email at townhouseofterrorpod at gmail.com. And we might even read them on this podcast. Please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And here are the next four movies we'll be watching over this week. 28 Days Later. They live. A girl walks home alone at night. Let's 
episodes. All these movies are available on different streaming platforms, so search them out. Anything else you want to say, Jill, before we say goodbye? No. Stay spooky, friends. Until next time, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And this is Townhouse Townhouse of of Terror. Terror.